are making sense of the markets with Lori Pinkowski, a senior portfolio manager at Canaccord Genuity. You can contact her team at 604-695-LORI or visit the website at pinkowski.ca. Lori, good morning to you. Good morning, Jill. How are you? Very well. Yourself? I'm doing great, thank you. And markets are uh, slightly in the green again today. Um, this week's been pretty good out there. This is kind of where markets are sticking to the bad news equals good news uh, type narrative because any negative news really for the economy means the Fed could uh, kind of pause on interest rate hikes and possibly uh, reduce rates at some point next year. Um, and investors are really focused on a number of economic reports this week. Uh, we saw this morning estimates of U.S. GDP came in at 2.1%. Again, that's slightly lower than the 2.4% expected uh, tomorrow, we get data on uh, the personal consumption expenditure, one of the Fed's preferred inflation gauges. Uh, Friday, we're going to see non-farm payroll, uh, which will be released then. And see why the, all of this is important. All of these pieces really help paint a picture, uh, give us an update on the economy and maybe give us some insight into what the Fed might do next. Um, they're expected to meet in September. Uh, at this point, it looks like they may pause on rates uh, in Canada. They're meeting next week and uh, also looking for a pause there as well. Uh, Q2 GDP uh, will be announced Friday uh, for Canada, and it's expected to have grown only 1.2% year over year. So again, we're looking at a slowing economy, which is kind of good for interest rates. But again, what we have to be watching out for, uh, in my opinion, into next year is whether there could be a mild recession, any recession at all. All right. Lots to be looking out for and watching out for there. What about Canadian banks and the earnings that we're seeing there? Yeah, you know, we were reporting on a couple of the banks last week when we spoke. Um, now BMO came in below expectations. Scotiabank also missed earnings expectations. But both of those stocks are up slightly since reporting. BMO of 1.5%, Bank of Nova Scotia up 2.5% since reporting. But again, this is after they were under some pressure about... Uh, down about 7% ahead of earnings results. So I guess some investors are looking at picking up some of these banks at lower prices. I mean, the dividend yield on a lot of them are uh, is looking really positive. And one key theme in um, the bank's earnings calls were higher loan loss provisions. And again, loan loss provisions are the kind of extra funds banks set aside in case borrowers may not be able to maintain uh, their payments now that, you know, loans, mortgages, everything has become more expensive. And for example, BMO set aside uh, just shy of or just over a billion dollars for credit losses. Uh, and Scotia allocated about 700 million. So again, they see a lot more than what you and I are, are going to see in terms of um, what people are able to pay and are they able to make their payments. So Again, this isn't totally positive for the banks, of course, but they are being more conservative uh, by setting some money aside. And and what you've also seen is that um, expenses for some of these banks have increased. Uh, trading is lower. Uh, some have uh, shed some jobs as well, and that's kind of normal uh, in a slowing economy. Hmm, interesting. And uh, so we're seeing that from the big banks. And this is something uh, we talked about on the show yesterday, and that was some new real estate numbers uh, from the, the Real Estate Board of BC. But uh, I know you're also looking at house prices uh, in Vancouver, Toronto, and some of the spots uh, where we're, we're looking at year over year. Yeah, you know, what we were looking at is year over year um, sales and month to month sales, actually. Uh, what you're seeing is that uh, sales have been declining and Vancouver home sales fell 
8% from June to July, but in Toronto, uh, sales were down, you know, almost 30% uh, from July, uh, sorry, from June to July. And so that's a big number. And, you know, a lot of the time where sales go, prices could go. There's one kind of uh, caveat in that um, there's a tight inventory, as we all know, right? And that's why home prices have stayed higher. But again, if people can't afford their payments uh, because they've raised rates so much, that could change and there could be more inventory on the market. So I think the real estate market is that one um, one part that we really need to watch closely over the next six to 12 months and see how that goes. Uh, again, if they pause rates now, so far the consumer has been able uh, to keep up. People are working and we have low unemployment in Canada and the U.S. And so that's, uh, again, something that we're really focused on. We look at a lot of leading indicators. We look at the real estate market to try to uh, decipher kind of, you know, where the markets will be going. At this point, there's momentum in the markets. We had a softer couple of weeks in August, uh, only to be stronger this week. And I think um, it's really going to depend on how these meetings go in Canada uh, in terms of rates uh, for us. But what uh, all eyes are focused on is the Fed meeting in September. All right, looking ahead to that, let's talk as well about financial lessons when teaching your kids and your grandkids and some very uh, important things to get across. Yeah, so in the spirit of uh, going back to school uh, next week for, for kids in BC, we thought it was important to, to talk about how you can you know talk to your kids and grandkids about money. Um, it can be a sensitive subject depending on, on the family, but it's important to educate your uh, children and grandchildren early so they can really establish good habits and, and so that they're comfortable talking about it. Um, you know, and, and our upbringing is, uh, plays a big role in shaping our relationship with money um, because a lot of kids mimic what their parents do. And, and of course, parents are the biggest influencer uh, on children's financial behavior. So, you know, what are some key lessons parents and grandparents can pass down to their kids? I think you know, teaching them about wants versus needs. I think that's important. Teaching your kids the basics such as like food, shelter, clothing, healthcare, education. Uh, and if you can afford it, of course, savings are all really important. Those extras like movie tickets, video games, you know, a new cell phone, new computer, that kind of stuff. You know, make sure they understand the difference of what they need to have versus what they want to have. Uh, and back to school shopping is a great opportunity to really start teaching your, your kids about spending decisions. I, and interesting too when you say that when you talk about parents being the biggest influence on on children and their financial behaviors uh, I, I wonder if that also uh, kind of because there has been a bit of a shift as far as buying things on credit buying things with cash and I, I think that comes into what we're talking about savings as well and how that works into it exactly I mean if you really want to instill good financial habits one of the most important lessons that you can teach your kids is the importance of saving money right for a rainy day or, you know, I mean, just look at what's happening right now with rates going higher. I mean, I can't tell you how many people told me, you know, I went on variable because rates are always low. Well, no, that's not the case. So, again, teaching kids from the ground up about savings so that, that they can get through those rainy days is important. Um, you know, it, what a lot of people don't know, at, at three years old, your kids can already grasp basic financial concepts. By age seven, they have really already formed money habits. So you have a short amount of time or a small window to really teach them about savings. And, you know, even opening up a bank account um, for young children, uh, teaching them to, to go there and to, you know, put some of their uh, hard-earned, uh, you know, uh, savings in there. If, you know, you're giving them an allowance weekly or 
you're paying them for, for chores at home, that can be a, a powerful way and a powerful learning tool to really get them ready for when they're older. And, and again, setting savings goals, right? Like, why are they saving? It's not, it's not good enough to just say, you know, save your allowance on a weekly basis or part of it. Um, you know, I think it's important to uh, explain, you know, and have that discussion of what you're saving for. So if you want to buy a, a video game uh, and they have $10 allowance each week, help them figure out how long it's going to take them to actually reach that goal based on their savings rates. And and money management with a part-time job for older kids, I, I think, is important. I mean, I couldn't wait to get working when uh, when I was young, and that was instilled in me from my parents. And so I think that is also important. You know, even if kids are going to school, a part-time job is a good way to start learning how to, you know, be part of a team, managing your time, uh, taxes, you know, having a boss, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, always leave room for mistakes. I mean, everyone's gone through mistakes uh, uh, in their adult life, I'm sure, with money. Um, and so allow your kids to have some responsibility to also make that mistake or mistakes and learn from those and sit down and discuss them. And, you know, I, another way that a lot of people help their children and grandchildren learn how to save is by opening a, a tax-free savings account when they're of age as well. So again, this is later on uh, when they're 19 years old, you can open up a TFSA, you can start contributing, they can start learning and understanding how investing works. Because again, a lot of kids are taught how to get a career, how to find a job, but they're not taught how to invest or what the markets all mean. So I think that's also important as a financial advisor, portfolio manager. Often we're sitting down uh, with children as you know they get a little older in their late teens, early 20s uh, of our clients so that we're, we're helping uh, educate them about investing. Right. Because like you said, leave room for mistakes. But if you do all of this, maybe the mistakes won't be as big or there won't be as many. Exactly. And they learn them early and they'll be much smaller uh, at that point than later on in life. It is very good advice. Uh, Lori, we'll leave it there for this morning, but great to talk with you again. You as well, Jill. Thanks. Have a great day. You too. That is Lori Pinkowski, a senior portfolio manager at Canaccord Genuity. You can call Lori and her team today at 604-695-LORI. With any questions you have about investing or retirement, you can also visit the website pinkowski.ca.